All right. Thank you, Pastor. I really appreciate the honor of being able to greet everyone, even though I can't see you. That's one of the things that really, really has been tough for us, my wife and I, to not be able to see the people during this time on a regular basis. One of the things that we kind of were apprehensive about when we left Latin America was, can we find a church where we can fit in and the people will still hug? That's part of the Latin American culture. And uh, you hug them when you see them and you hug them when you say goodbye and it does not matter whether it's male or female. I would come home with lipstick all over my face and my shirt and didn't matter, all the makeup. Uh, that was just part of the culture. Uh, but Trilogy has filled the bill. We love you. We appreciate you. And thank you so very much for allowing us to be part of such a vibrant church, really a friendly church. Well, Pastor asked me to preach this week on uh, the parables. Well, it took me quite a while to find a good pair of bulls. And after I found them and brought them here to David's office, I found out that their horns were too wide to get them up the staircase. So I guess I'm just going to have to tell some stories or how Jesus did it anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, that was my attempt at a joke. I hope it didn't fall too flat. Well, back in the time that, that uh, Jesus was sharing the parables, things were a little bit different in those days. And people didn't have banks. And a lot of times they would take their treasures, their money, or whatever they might possess that was valuable, and they would uh, bury it somewhere, hide it. Uh, and that brings us to the parables that we find in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And I am reading from the Living Bible translation. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field, in his excitement, he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and get the treasure too. I'm sure a lot of times we've often thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just strike it rich, suddenly find something of extreme value and be able to get it. Uh, and I guess all of us sometimes dream a little bit about the possibilities and what we would do if suddenly that became the case in our life. Then Jesus went on to say that again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. He discovered a real bargain. I'm going to pause here just a moment. I do like to find bargains. In fact, I'll even go into brick and mortar stores and bargain over certain items I want to buy if I feel like that I can do it. But they found or discovered a real bargain, a pearl of great price, and sold everything he owned to purchase it. I'd like to pray that God will help us, give me anointing, and that you are able to receive what I feel that God has placed on my heart and apply it to your own life. Father, thank you so much for the privilege today to be able to share your word. Let it do what you intend for it in every life, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Well, our world is uh, a little bit different in a lot of ways than what Jesus was talking about in, in the parables. I'm titling this today, Do I Consolidate or Do I Diversify? I believe that we need to 
come to some conclusions on that. Of course, the world says don't put all of your eggs in one basket, and it's either diversify or die. A lot of people, many perhaps listening right now, remember the crash of 2008 when a lot of things were into certain products or certain stocks and suddenly discovered that everything was gone. It is a good idea as far as the worldly treasures to be able to have a diversity of, of investment. And we begin to find out that when we diversify in that way, and I like the way that Pastor was talking about diversity in, in the finance that we have by placing the portions of what God has asked us to do, we're diversifying, we're putting our family, we're putting, of course, God first in everything. And then also we are saving for the future. But these kinds of things are individually done, but diversifying is very, very important. It's a good thing to be wise with finance. The Bible teaches quite a bit about this, about diversifying, about giving, about giving to the poor, about helping the needy, about doing things with what we have been given and uh, uh, making it possible for our life to be blessed. These are the ways that, that the doors are opened to what God has promised. If we fulfill what God has asked for, the Bible says that he is quick to respond. It's kind of like, you know, children that do what their parents ask find it's a whole lot uh, happier and easier around the house when, when they accomplish the tasks that have been given. But of course we can place a little too much value on worldly things that uh, seem valuable. I was reading in Psalms and found this was kind of interesting. It, does, it comes from the message and this translation does sometimes take a lot of liberty, but Psalms chapter 20 verses seven and eight it says, see, see those people polishing their chariots and those others grooming their horses, but we're making garlands for our God. The chariots will rust, those horses will pull up lame, and we'll be on our feet standing tall. Now, when we let the world's ideas begin to affect our spiritual life is when we get into trouble. For those that have been following the Bible reading that our church is using, uh, you'll remember that recently we had the story about Achan and how that the desire for those kinds of things really got him and his whole family into trouble. We have to be careful lest we find ourselves desirous of the things of the world. Uh, if you're unhappy with what you have, why would you want more? You see, a lot of times we, we are unhappy with the things that we already have and we're longing always for something more than to realize that trying to hoard up treasures here is not going to satisfy anything at all. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and also from the message translation, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. 
living in Latin America, we kind of got used to that concept. Things changed owners quite often. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. It's so easy. We can start out doing well and suddenly find ourselves being pulled apart by a lot of other concepts and ideas and discover that these kinds of things have never really satisfied the innermost part. It's been kind of interesting and sad to watch people who have all the fame and money in the world even be so depressed with what they have that they take their own life. It has not produced ever joy. Joy and happiness are two very distinct things. Joy comes from inside. Happiness comes from outside. Something happens and makes us happy. Joy is a constant flowing fountain from somewhere way inside of us. And when we build on those things that produce joy, our life begins to take on a completely different aspect. And we find ourselves really enjoying life with what we have because the joy is there. Oftentimes also we would like to put our life in the hands of how people look at us and how they see us. We put our confidence in others or we want them to look at us. We like the, the uh, accolades and the plaudits of people. Uh, uh, but God is not a respecter of people. We do that. We set people up according to uh, their income, according to where they come from and all kinds of things. We begin to put everybody into different categories and, and uh, we diversify in a sense and we uh, want to make everything uh, of our life dependent upon whether people like us or whether they don't like us and, and uh, it creates a whole lot of trouble. Sometimes even families can't get along. They don't enjoy each other. They haven't found what real life is about. And so often when we begin to let people be the measuring stick of our life, we're going to find out that it doesn't always go so well. Japan, on the 1st of September of 1923, was devastated by a massive earthquake. Well, the United States sent a lot of hospital ships Nurses deployed a lot of people, doctors, uh, all kinds of equipment that they possibly could, plus millions and millions of dollars to Japan to help them. And after things had settled down and began to be a little more normal, the emperor of Japan, Yoshishito, sent a five-word cablegram to President Warren Harding and that cablegram said, America, we will not forget. Well, some of you will be able to fast forward to December the 7th of 1941 in Pearl Harbor. You see, people forget. They don't always do what they say they're going to do. And so when we put our trust in people, we're going to find ourselves also, like our money, 
It just doesn't do it. It can't produce what God can do. And this is where we have to learn to consolidate, not diversify. In our convictions, in our life, a person without conviction is not able to do anything worthwhile at all. Finding the real treasure requires <laughs> letting go of everything else, and that's where it catches people a lot of times. But I, I like these things. I like the, the people's praise. I, I, I'm following after this person or that. And, and people are kind of identifying themselves by how many followers they have, how many people are on their Facebook page and all of these kinds of things. But popularity of people, as I have mentioned, is not going to satisfy at all. <laughs> Uh, we don't just add God to our, our display shelf. I began my ministry among the Mescalero Apache uh, in New Mexico, living on the reservation with them. And it was really interesting. It was a different kind of work. I mean, yeah, they, they liked the idea of Jesus and they were willing to accept the fact that he is a God or you can add him. I mean, they... They added him to the mountain god, to the rain gods. They added him to all the gods that they were accustomed to having. He was just part of a line of, of a lot of gods. And so they would pray to Jesus and they would pray to the mountain and try to see which one would answer their prayer. Until they began to really realize that this was not going to satisfy anything at all. Then the true change came in and it was so great to watch them as it happened. But to be able to, to secure all of this, a lot of times it came with a great price and it does for us. The pearl of great price cost everything. Can you imagine going and taking everything you own and selling it just to get one thing? Just to, I mean, sell your house, sell your car, empty your bank accounts, uh, everything that has any value, all of the things that uh, we have, the furniture out of the house, everything that we own anywhere at all, selling it just to get one thing. That sounds dumb. I mean, that really, as far as man's mind <laughs> and ideas, it's just not working that way. You have to be diversified so that if anything happens here, you have this over here to fall back to. Kind of like the person that was talking about their illness. And uh, uh, they said, well, I've gone to doctors and I've taken medicine. And I, I, I guess I'm going to have to just pray and ask God to help. And her friend said, you mean it's that bad already? You're going to have to pray about it? <laughs> a lot of times we do all kinds of things to try to get to a particular point in life. It, and when God is the beginning and the end of all that we need at all, uh, it's not a little of this and a little of that. It is either God through Jesus Christ or he's not at all. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and you know it well. This again from the message says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, 
and never quit. Let me emphasize this. It does not matter what has happened. Don't quit. You say, yeah, but I, I, I messed up. Don't quit. Never quit. Listen to it loud and clear. There's some perhaps today you're thinking, man, it's just not working. I am telling you the truth. Do not quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it. When you don't know what to do, read the book. There's a manual. I have to confess here, and I'm breaking in just a little bit to the scripture, but um, my wife can attest to this. A lot of times, when we especially get toys or something for the kids for Christmas, I would throw the book aside, the manual, and uh, start putting it together for them. My wife would tell me, but what does it say in the manual? I don't need that. I can do this on my own. Well, when you wind up with extra pieces and it doesn't fit and it doesn't work, you have to go back to the manual. Listen to it, that we uh, read the book, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that, that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your soul, into your spiritual veins, when begin to realize that he already went through every single bit of this, that he received the praise of people. He had all of these opportunities in life, but the one thing, the one thing that was for him was to please God who called him. And you see, this is where the treasure part of all this whole thing comes into. You are a treasure. Ah, come on, I am not all that valuable. I haven't done that much with life. God doesn't make junk. I'm sure you've heard that saying often. God made you a very special and unique individual with talents and abilities. And the Bible says that God is seeking those treasures. He came to seek and to save that which was lost or that which was hidden, that which had to be uh, purchased. And this is what God has placed so much value in us that throughout history, we, we from the Bible, over and over, God was looking for somebody. He said, I need somebody. I need somebody to do this for me. And that's where it comes down to. God has a plan for your life, but if you keep it hidden and you keep it undeveloped and you leave it out there in the field, it will just stay there. But God is looking for the individuals who are willing to step up and say, I am willing to make it happen. Uh, we think about Noah. Can you imagine God saying, Noah, I need you to build a huge luxury liner? Well, it wasn't all luxury, but I mean, a, a cruise ship. And Noah would say, God, 
we don't even need that at all. That is not necessary. We're, we're not going to never had rain. We've never had floods. And I don't know how to build a big ship. One thing about it, if God asks you to do it, God's well able to equip you to get it done. Our fears, our doubts, our questions about who we are, whether or not we can make it happen, so often limit us. Self-doubt is a destructive force that keeps us from accomplishing what God wants. It had to be the people who stepped out of line, who said, I'm not going to follow the crowds. I'm going to be what God intended. I am not going to be a hidden or buried treasure that God placed inside of me. I am going to be something that God can use. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For God has bought us with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. It's his in the first place. But he paid a huge price. I mean, can you imagine looking through all of heaven, all of the creation of the universe, everything everywhere, and the only thing that was valuable to him was his son, and yet he was willing to let him become the price for us. God sold everything so that he could possess us. He wants you. He's looking. He wants every part of you, the talents, the abilities, and you could even say the inabilities, the things that we think I could never do. That's the exciting part about giving it to God. When God says, hey, I, I, I can use you to do this, is the joy of doing something you've never done before in your life doing things that totally are out of character even sometimes. Because when God moves on our life, he is well able, for he has placed this treasure in what is known in the scriptures as earthen vessels. A lot of these vessels probably are chipped and broken and they don't look like much and they've been glued together over and over. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary life. That's to prevent anyone from, from, from confusing God's incomparable power with us. You are valuable to God no matter what you look like what you have done, how broken your life is, how many chips have been knocked off of the corners and the things in life that don't really make you all that beautiful anymore. If you're worried about how you look physically and you try to keep your body looking as, at least acceptable and presentable to people around you, you dress according to what is expected how much more should we do that for God, making our lives an adornment to his life, something that he loves and wants to see and be around, to accomplish in us great and mighty impossible things that the enemy often will keep us down with the attitude, I don't have the ability. With God, there is no inability. There is only ability. God does these kinds of things because he already placed in us that ability and we need to develop it. 
This is what the scripture was talking about. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. He said, it's a treasure. And everything begins to operate out of that final commitment when we say, all right, God, I'm yours. Whatever you need, I will do it. My wife and I have had a saying, and I did see it on a truck one time, and that was anything, anytime, anywhere. And when it comes to that, it's amazing what God will do, especially to young people that are listening today. Listen carefully. I, I can't imagine a life different from what I've had. By allowing God to take that leadership has given me chances to do things I would never have experienced. Yes, I learned to build. I learned to do crusades. I learned to have uh, medical clinics. I, I, I learned a lot of things. And it's amazing what, you know, you look like when you hang a stethoscope around your neck and, and people think you're a doctor. But, you know, just helping people, doing things simply because God called us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29 from the NIV says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Think about it. What were you when he called you? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's not you doing it. It's God's power in you. And when we look at all of the inabilities and the things that we are not or could not be, we we only limit God. We hide our treasure. God is hunting around. He's going to do anything he can to bring it out. So, the, so you're kind of looking a little bit worn and beaten up and you've made a lot of mistakes. These are the things that God comes and polishes up, makes it look beautiful like the pearl. You see, a pearl is an annoying kind of thing in a sea creature. A clam somehow swallows a little grain of sand and it just irritates the daylights out of that clam. But over the process of time, one of the most beautiful, I guess we'd call them a stone or at least a piece of jewelry, becomes a reality. And the things in life that are bothering you and irritating you, let it turn into a magnificent, beautiful pearl. Don't let it tear you apart. Don't let it cause you to lose direction, to, un to miss what God wants out of your life. Don't hide your treasures and don't reject the work that God is wanting to do out of the little things in life that seem so insignificant and sometimes the things you least want to do at all like swallow a grain of sand and let it just irritate you forever. It's going to turn into something beautiful. I uh, read a poem some years ago that 
has kind of helped me, and maybe it will speak to you. It was tattered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worthwhile to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good people, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, now two, two dollars. Who'll make it three? Going for three? But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forth, and wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up a string, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars, and now two, two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. Going, going, gone, said he. The people cheered, but someone cried, we don't understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune that's battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to a faultless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. I want to pray for you. I'd like for every single one of us to one more time say, God, even if it irritates me, even if I'm chipped and broken, use this vessel. And to those who today do not have a full understanding have never committed your life to Christ. Let this be the day. Become that valuable person that God so urgently wants. If he let Jesus, his son, die for you, don't you think that he'll do everything that you could possibly imagine? Let's pray. Father, we do know that you're the one who performs all of the miraculous change. You take us from nothing to something, not so that we can glorify ourselves or become popular, but God, so that we can become a valuable prize, something that you want to use, a pearl of great price. Let our lives be so much more than just what we accumulate here on this planet, that God let it be that our treasures are really those things that are eternal and not get sidetracked, to understand, God, that we must put aside every single thing and run with all we have, hard and fast toward the goal. Thank you for caring about us, loving us, and giving us your word to help us grow. We'll give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you, and we thank God for the privilege of having you in our life. You are valuable to us. We consider you treasures and pearls.